Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. Your host, Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. Yeah, we're doing two. Two uh, podcasts relatively close to one another, and the honest truth is I, I didn't feel like writing. I got, it's right here, I got all this paperless, uh, some really great Pieces, really great thought, not really thought, well, they are thought pieces, it's not like I, I write crap, um, but uh, the problem in writing more philosophical, intellectual pieces is it takes a lot out of you. I just don't feel like writing. I don't feel like writing. Maybe I gotta do what the doc said several months ago and just take another week off. Um, but I did want to produce something of value, did want to produce something for you guys, and there's a, a lot of... A lot of news, a lot of stuff. I didn't even get to cover it in the last podcast. The last podcast was truly therapeutic, truly for my own benefit. And um, I don't want to write. That's the whole thing. I don't feel like writing. I already, I got a new supply of wood. Now I got to physically cut that up. Uh, it's hot and humid. I played catch up with asshole console. And after a while, you're like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do any more work. I really don't. No matter how cool it is, no matter, hey, is it a real job? Do you really know? It isn't, but it still takes time. After a while, I'm thinking, like, I just I just like to play video games for a week. <laughs> Fetch out and do nothing for a week. I was kicking around driving out to Anchorage, Alaska on the motorcycle. It's possible to do it, but it really is the better part of a month-long endeavor. It takes at least a week to get out there. And that's a pretty serious hard writing. And then it, once you get out there, you don't want to just not do anything. You know, you don't want to just, oh, I'm here, I'm heading back now. You know, you, you probably would want to explore Alaska. And so I started doing some of the math and realizing that if I'm going to drive out to Alaska on the motorcycle, Anchorage, not Hyder. Hyder was the cheap man, so I got it. Yeah, technically I drove to Alaska. Beautiful drive, favorite drive ever. Uh, but if I actually wanted to see Alaska, I'd have to see Anchorage and Fairbanks and drive around. If you're going to go that extent, you're going to go that far, uh, y- you do yourself no service uh, of not availing yourself of Alaska if you spend a week driving out there. And so I think next year I might do that. Next year I'll, I will drive the motorcycle out there, have to leave late June, get the perfect timing with the, the hottest weather because, was it Dawson's Creek? White horse, it's not terribly warm up there even during summer. And you gotta cut over. Highest pass is only four thousand two hundred feet. I would have been I would have been surprised I was surprised it wasn't higher than that, like ten thousand feet or something like that. All mountains, all it's like, oh, it's only four thousand feet. And it's totally doable. Nothing you know, it's it's not a lot of you think, oh, once we go north of or north of the border into Canada, oh there's nobody out there no it's actually quite populated and and maybe i mentioned this before but for those of you who are just you know i understand it's intimidating at first you've never been there before especially if you're like marcus brown you're just a city boy you know you don't you're not yeah oh what go to evansville oh 
Go to Hoffman Estates. Hang on now. That's that's frontier. The Indians are still out there. I might get scalped. I understand you city slickers, you city dwellers. You might be a little intimidated. Like, well, what, what's that? There's nothing up. You're right. Saskatchewan and uh, Alberta, if, especially if you go north, there ain't anything out there. There's not. I even looked into driving to uh, Hudson Bay, and there's only one road, and there's a 300-mile stretch without a gas station, but there's this auto gas station. And so I was like, well, I can't take my motorcycle there. I wouldn't, uh, Jerry can, even with the, with extra gas, I wouldn't be able to make it. Car can make it, though. And the only reason that road goes up there is uh, because there's a hydroelectric dam. Like, Canada has all this amazing stuff to its north, and apparently they're just so obsessed about being Americans, all the development and the focus has been to the south, which I understand. I mean, we're pretty cool being real Americans. Not our politicians, but, you know, yeah, Americans are pretty... We're the world's greatest thing ever. Uh, quite literally, ever. Ever! Ever! Rome, maybe. All right, I'll grant you that. That was pretty cool. But uh, seriously, the United States... Anyway, I don't understand why the Canadians... There's so much north. So much. Half half a continent. Literally half a continent north. They don't build no roads up north. I'm like, well, why don't you build a road? What, don't, why wouldn't anyone want to go see Hudson Bay? You can't even see Hudson Bay. You see the bay that's attached to Hudson Bay? Otherwise, you got to fly to Churchill... I guess that's maybe where you got to fly in because there's no roads, and that's just how they can't economically rationalize having a road. Well, why not build some roads? I mean, there's so much beauty to exploit up there, so many things to see, and 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 I can't. I look at these maps like there are these these national parks, and the only way you can get to them is by flying. And these little puddle jumper planes, you got to fly to Ontario, then you got to fly here, and then you pick up Bob's flight service. It is a seven thousand dollar round trip. Because they just don't have the infrastructure. Why don't you build some infrastructure? Build some roads into these places. That people could, You could have like uh, the Stomp, which is Canada's Sturgis, in Sycamus or Salmon Arm. Um, I don't know. I just It'd be nice to drive to Hudson Bay. Think about it, that big, huge-ass honking bay right there. And they haven't built a road to it. They built one road that kind of goes to it, and the rest, they didn't build the road. Like, what do you want to build, like, a road? Do you want, you know, maybe for fishing industry, there's got to be some kind of way to make the road economic. Maybe you pull an Eisenhower, you know, hey, we're going to set up a, a highway system to connect all these places. People would populate the area because there's a road there. And you have McDonald's and Tim Hortons all over the place. It, let it be green. According to your faggot that you have as a as a uh, as a prime minister, and I, it's not a slam on gays. That's a slam on wimpy, pathetic, faggoty uh, prime ministers. You could have to be more cars, more carbon emission. God Almighty, your 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 president actually did the heart sign. He actually did the heart sign. What the hell's wrong with you people? <laughs> do you women up there in Canada? Do you Canadian women just hate masculinity? Or is he the pretty boy because he's like rich and he's powerful and like maybe deep in your deepest secrets at night, he'll tell you about socialism and don't worry, baby, I'll give you a government check. I'm always, is that it? Kind of the Obama thing. They're not really masculine, but you girls are so obsessed about government money and other people's money that that's what really makes you wet. Is that, is that it? I just don't understand 
you have this huge continent, well, huge country, half a continent, ain't no roads. And Mexicans got more roads. Mexicans have more roads than the Canadians. They do. I'm driven on them. Not bad roads, by the way. And that's an area I'd like to go explore a little bit more, too. I would love to drive down into Mexico, except I don't want to get shot by a cartel. And uh, I don't want to be, oh, hey, it's the gringo. Let's jack up the prices to be incredibly racist, like actually racist. Oh, I know you people here in America think we're racist, but you go down south and they say, oh, you charge up more for the Americans. They don't, and you people would throw a temper tantrum if you say, no, you charge more for the Mexicans. You don't, you don't, you don't sell regular price to the Mexicans. You, you double the price. I know, I know. Everybody in the world is just so open-minded, just like us in the United States. I just don't understand why uh, there aren't more roads in Canada. Oh, but getting back to my whole point. So you think you're going to go out into this wilderness. And yes, if you go straight north, it, it gets pretty sparse pretty quick. But once you get on the other side of the Canadian Rockies, it's not too unlike the United States. You start hitting population centers because of Vancouver. It, their their uh, coast is also populated with that one town. Uh, and so if you got the East Coast, you got the East, you know, it's, it's no different than the United States. It's like people populated on the coasts or near the Great Lakes. People populated over on the Pacific Coast, over in Vancouver. And then there's like Prince George and some other towns, uh, Kamloops. Um, so it's, it's not like you're going into this wilderness where you'll never see people again. On the other side, traveling east to west, you start to fall into a more heavily, regularly populated area. I think the most sparse stretch was from Kitwanga, which is kind of by Smithers. Atham looked that up up into actually Alaska, which you kind of understand because like you're starting to get up into no man's land. So again, getting north. Uh, but I was kind of surprised, like, yeah, Prince George and then some other town. And like, you didn't go more than 20 miles without running into another town. So it's not like the Canadians are just all hovering at the, well, okay, most of the population is hovering at the border. But there are, you know, there's electricity and buildings and roads, paved roads, you know, a little bit further north you go. I thought Jasper would kind of be the end of the world, and it wasn't. I was like, oh, hey, there's people here. Hey. Because I didn't know. You know, you don't know until you go there. I was like, God, I hope there's people here. What if I break down? I got this Prince George just fine. Beautiful ride. Beautiful ride all the way from Calgary up through Banff to Jasper and then over to Prince George. Just a beautiful ride. What did I do? Did I do Prince George? Prince George to Smithers. Smithers to Hyder and then all the way back to Prince George. I think that's what I did. Smithers is a nice town. If you guys ever get there. I know Paul. Whoa! Hey, what's his name? RJ. Okay, so RJ Jones, the guy who did the cover for uh, Enjoy the Decline. We're working. He's busy. He's a busy man. He's supporting himself. Uh, so he's out in British Columbia. He says, hey, I'm in British Columbia at Banff and all this. So he took pictures just like Paul. And I'm like, cool, send me some pictures. Well, I didn't know the dude was black. And I was like, this skinny, twiggy black kid over in British Columbia. I'm like, dude, you're black? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, I didn't know. He's like, you didn't? I'm like, no, why would I know you're black? How the hell do I know? <laughs> so it's just this funny, he, he's a cool guy. But obviously his artwork is very good. He's uh, doing the, the cover for Marcus Brown's book, latest book coming out. I ain't going to say it. I'm going to wait for him to release it. Uh, but he did the cover for that. Also did a very good job there. But Marcus Brown has a book coming out. But uh, here's this this happy, dopey-looking, smile kid. You know, you could probably eat a donut or a sandwich or something. He's, he's living the dream. He's living the dream. 
One thing I always say, I, I always say there's a, not a lot of black people out at national parks. Not a lot. You could also there's a lot of not East Coasters. You know, like so Paul coming out from Philadelphia, RJ, whatever the hell he lives, I don't know. But it, it, it's like, hey, at least, look. And uh, Marcus Brown, he went into Wyoming. He went into Redneckville. He missed Tensleep Canyon by 100 yards. I told him he, he just had to go another 10 yards. He could coast to it, but he didn't. But it's good to see you, you young black gentlemen out there realizing, yeah, you could go out there and Whitey ain't going to shoot you. Not to mention you see the most beautiful part of the country, or planet, really. That that stretch between Banff and Jasper, holy cow. You're not going to see anything like that, guys. You're just not. Male, female, black, white, you, everybody owes it to themselves to go out. I just was proud to see RJ and Paul, you know, East Coast guy, Philadelphia guy. He's doing real reconnaissance. He's doing his real He's taking pictures here and there. This is the guy that, that came to visit me in Thanksgiving. Like, oh, that's really nice of him to visit. Then you find out the reason he came to visit is because he was banging this chick in Iowa. <laughs> and I was kind of nearby. What do you mean you're going to go through Iowa? You don't go through Iowa to get back. Oh, I see. I see. It's good to see you young boys out there going and exploring. And hey, it wasn't the old Captain right? Was I wrong? Huh? Wasn't I right? Didn't I tell you? Banff is the shit. The stuff, isn't it? Lake Louise. It's it's beautiful, guys. Beautiful. That Highway 93, you're just not going to see anything like it. Well, I guess you will see some things like it in Alaska. But, uh, oh, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful, beautiful country. All right, let's do some, some sponsors right away. Get this crap out of the way. Praxy.com, you guys know to see me on Praxy. Follow me on Steamit.com. I do things over there. RealMarkBaxter.com. If you're listening, you're looking for a podcast that isn't mine, well, listen to something different. RealMarkBaxter.com. Check them out. Uh, my Amazon affiliate program, please do all your Amazon shopping, all your online Amazon shopping through my Amazon affiliate program. And then we have my books, Reconnaissance Man, Black Man's Got Out of Poverty, Bachelor Pad Economics, Worthless, Enjoy the Kind, Curse of the High IQ, and Poor Rich's Retirement. All great books, and I guarantee you, if you spend the cumulative, it's got to be less than 100 bucks. Let's say it's 100 bucks to buy all those. Let's say it's audio, you splurge, and you listen to them all. Uh, you will not have financial problems ever. Uh, quite, I mean, unless like you get cancer or something outside of your control. Uh, but deadly serious, like for a hundred bucks, that's a hell of a lot of education. And you guys say, oh, you're trying to sell money on yourself. Yeah, you're damn right. I'm trying to make money. But like, if I could have given myself that advice 20 years ago, holy shit. Holy shit. Would I have been for Well, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, I graduated. I've been out of college for over 20 years. That really hit me as like, wow, you are old and you are finite. Not that I didn't know I was finite. But once I realized, well, I've been out of college 20 years and those three and a half years really fucked me up. They screwed me up. Anyway, so we got all the, all those books. You can buy them on Amazon.com. They're available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook, except for Black Men's Guide to Poverty, because once again, I am racist. Uh, James DePrisco's book, The Economics of Catholic Subsidiarity, basically how to fight leftism, socialism, and feminism in the church, how to get it out of the church. Um, it's a great book. Go ahead, get it online. Frank Servi's books, Uncle Nick, Burning the Midnight, uh, corporate Land Surviving Cubicle Warfare, and The uh, Bro Next Door. Um, God, I hope I hope uh, Jim Fear gets those books on audiobook because then I would listen to them. They sound funny as hell. They, this cube, Corporate Warfare one looks good. Too. Yeah, and when you send me books, I just look at them, guys. I don't read them. Um, 
Early Retirement Extreme, uh, Jacob, that guy, he's sending me his book. So I will read it because um, he was kind enough to take mine. And I think you guys – I don't mention it only because, I don't know, it's kind of like – well, yeah, I already know how to be minimalistic and retire. Uh, even though me and uh, ERE are, are perfectly ideologically aligned. I mean, we obviously have the same. But it's it's like, yeah, I know what you're doing and you know what I'm doing. So there's ironically – even though like you, you are in the exact same profession and the exact same philosophy, it's like, yeah, I, I know. It's like just regurgitating my own shit. I <laughs> – it's not. Tell me something new. That's why I listen to the Becklove. It's it's comic book geekery, stuff like that. Uh, so Frank Servi spelled C E R V I. You can find him on Amazon.com. Adam Pickett. Adam, when is your next podcast coming? He's got books. You can visit him at pushingrubberdownhill.com. And coincidentally, his book Pushing Rubber Downhill has the same name. His latest book, Run Guts Pull Cones. Both of them are available on paperback and audio. He lectured me. He said, well, you gave advice to that guy to go chase after the girl in Germany? Did you read my book? I'm like, well, yeah, but I still I still think that he should have chased the girl in Germany. I had a client, very nice kid, met this girl. She's from Germany and uh, Australia. Eerily similar to, to, to Adam's life as a young young man. And here's this German girl, and she made a dessert or breakfast or whatever for this guy every day and that just so they could talk. And she was very pretty. I'm, and he sent me pictures. I'm like, dude, fucking go track that down. Holy cow. Adam disagrees. Adam is uh, different. I would say Adam is wiser than me. I'd also say, I think he's a little older than me. I could be wrong. But uh, the age doesn't matter. It's actually his experience. He, uh, You know, I adventure, but it's in my backyard. Uh, Adam is the one who's been to Africa and done all this. So I would say Adam, he, he ran a, a, a nightclub. Adam... I would take his advice over mine, frankly. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to disagree with him on this one. I think he should actually follow up. I'm going to say he should go get married. He should follow up with this girl. Because I don't know a lot of girls that make food so they can talk to you. There's not that many. Uh, we have Marty Andrade's books, Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse, and his book on D.B. Cooper. You can find Marty Andrade just by searching his name. The Pericles Conspiracy by Michael Kingswood. And Carrie Lutz's book, Viral Podcasting, that Pericles Conspiracy is the only science fiction book written by a non-communist science fiction author. That is Michael Kingwood's claim to fame. And then Carrie Lutz, you guys all know him over at Financial Survival Network. I'm going to be on his show tomorrow, I think. I got an interview with him tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, so we got, we got uh, I'll be over on Carrie Lutz's show. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Foxnews.com. Seattle to vote on implementing income tax on just the wealthy. I, I cannot tell you how happy I am that Seattle and then uh, my sort of hometown, Minneapolis, both passed the $15 an hour minimum wage. I think you left this. I agree. There's one thing I agree on <clears throat> with the lefties. In major metropolitan area, and that is every major metropolitan area should have a minimum wage law of $15 per hour. Now, I personally, as a wiser, educated economist, would like it to be $20 an hour and effective immediately. A lot of them have been nursing them in. They have like these uh, graduated introductions. Like, okay, it goes up a dollar per hour. But uh, for once, I actually agree 
with leftists. Uh, uh, truthfully, I think in the city of Minneapolis and St. Paul, I think every major metropolitan area, the minimum wage it should not be 15 It should be $30 an hour. Uh, I could, and, and I am not even joking. You absolutely, all you major liberal leftist metropolitan areas, you should implement a $30 an hour minimum wage. Uh, and I don't understand why they don't do that because they obviously know that government is the solution for everything and they could just make laws and laws make everything perfect and better. You can have the utopia. I don't know why they stopped at 15, but they do. I don't know why it's 15, um, but I think it should be 30. Uh, and it just makes me wonder, like, do you not have faith in your communist, leftist, sociologic, or socialist uh, uh, philosophy, your economic model there? So I think we should have a sixty, uh, $30 an hour wage, $60,000 a year. I haven't even gotten past the title. Seattle, a city located in one of seven states without personal income tax, is debating whether to implement uh, one on its wealthiest residents Monday. Under a proposal being considered by the Seattle City Council, only the top-earning residents would be subject to the income tax. Those individuals with incomes in excess of $250,000 and those filing jointly with incomes in excess of $500,000 would pay a 2.25% tax. I ask again the good liberal rich people, the limousine liberals of Seattle, why only 2.25%? I think you should pay 10 you guys don't have a state income tax. You can easily afford a 10% income tax at the municipal level. The tax is largely expected to pass. The council's finance committee gave the proposal the green light last week, even raising the rate from 2% to 2.25. What's that quarter percent going to do? What is that quarter percent going to do? Why don't you just say five? Look, Seattle... Uh, and I'm being deadly serious to you, leftists. If you're going to implement this model, make it a $30 an hour minimum wage tomorrow and jack it up to a five, at least 5%. Come on, it's only 1 20th. And they're rich. They can afford it. The rich can afford everything. They got, they're rich. They're rich. They have unlimited resources. And there's no cost or consequences to raising taxes on them. None whatsoever. You know what? And you should shame them if they do try to move their money out, uh, out of the city. And they're going to increase from two to two and a quarter percent, according to Seattle Times. Supporters of the new tax say the city's explosive economic growth and prosperity has created significant wealth and opportunity. Let's look this up. Gross. Pull product. Seattle. I want to know if there's. Okay, here we go. Oh, wait, better. Here's the, uh, sorry, let me get back to this. Uh, Fred Database, St. Louis Federal Reserve. Okay, here's Seattle. Um, explosive growth? Uh, 216, 275, 283. 275, 283, let me do the math. Bear with me, guys. This is the boring part of economics. 285 divided by 273. I want to see if this is an explosive growth. That is a 4%. It's not bad. It's not bad. I understand you left us under Obama think 4% growth is great, but we know when the evil white people ruled the world in the 50s, we had like, you know, 45 6%. Reagan, there was like this, I think it was a, a month where we, or a quarter where we had 10% growth. 
It's growing pretty well in Seattle. Not bad. You're right. We better go tax those rich people. Supporters of the new city tax say the city's explosive economic growth and prosperity has created significant wealth and opportunity, but it has also exacerbated the affordable housing crisis that put a strain on those in lower income brackets. I'm sure it has nothing to do with your green limit. I know you guys aren't Portland, but what if you just like let people build where they wanted to? Ah, never mind. A Seattle tax would be a step towards building political momentum for the state and its other cities and towns to enact progressive tax system. It's progress, see? You paying us more money is progress. It's good. You don't want to be racist or sexist, do you? You don't want to get in the way of progress, do you? The senior, uh, the city council said in a resolution earlier this year endorsing the idea of an income tax. State tax reform is urgently needed so our lowest income residents pay less. Our middle-income class neighbors pay about the same, and our highest-income residents pay more, Councilman Tim Burgess said in a, a statement on Wednesday after the proposal advanced of his finance committee. The measure is certain to face a court challenge from opponents who call the tax proposal illegal, unconstitutional, and waste of taxpayer money. Look, if you are a Republican, or just not a leftist, let's just put it this way, if you are a not a leftist in Seattle, and you haven't moved out, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, dude, what is wrong with you people? This is, this is dumb. You're dumb. I don't care. You deserve, I, I, hey, I'm all libertarian, low taxes, leave and let live and, and uh, survival of the fittest. But if you are a not leftist rich person living in Seattle, you are a moron. You are a fool. You are an idiot. You are the frog in the pan. You should have moved out long ago to Everett or Renton or some other place. You should move out of Seattle long ago. This tax should only affect rich liberals and or stupid Republicans or stupid not liberals who still live in uh, uh, Seattle and they don't realize how much that city hates them because you have more than them because you worked harder. Or you happen to be smarter. Or you just screw up. You just didn't screw up. You didn't have like illegitimate kids. You are a moron and you deserve to pay this tax. You deserve to pay a tax of 20% as far as I'm concerned for living in a socialist crap hole known as Seattle. So these people like, the measure is certain to face a court challenge from opponents. Who the hell are you people? Don't you know when to abandon a position? Don't you know when to let let the enemy take a hill and, and shoot themselves in the foot? Let the leftists have Seattle. Tax the liver, living ever hell out of these leftist rich limousine liberals. All you have to do is sell your precious little condo that Daddy bought you. Daddy, Daddy, uh, I don't want to work anymore, and I know I have this condo downtown, Daddy. I mean, okay, if it's really bothering you, sell it and go live on Mercer Island. Leave. The great thing about being rich is you could buy property anywhere else. So just leave Seattle. Why is there even a group of people to mount an, a, a challenge to this? Look, if, if you were really in the real world of Aaron Clary land, all you Republican, libertarian, capitalist, freedom lover, non-communist, socialist, leftist, parasitic pieces of crap, you would have left long ago. 
You would not have invested in this place in the first place. You would not have had your residency in Seattle, and then you would have just simply gone away to the other place. So when Seattle decides to literally, I can't curse now because it's curse, but you would screw itself over with a $15 an hour minimum wage and screw itself over with a, a municipal income tax, you would be cheering it on like I am. The best thing to happen to major liberal leftist towns is to have them implement their own leftist policies. Let them have a $30 an hour minimum wage. Let them have a 10% you know, municipal tax, income tax, on people who make over a quarter million dollars a year. Jack up their property taxes, man. Let them, this is one of the rare, rare opportunities, you get to see them, witness them, suffer their own mistakes. You, you you don't have to do anything. You just have to get out of the way. Why are you a non-leftist living in Seattle? What is wrong with you? I have leftist friends who don't even live in Seattle. Yeah, oh, screw that. Although it is good when I sent this to them. You're like, hey, look at this. I think you guys should pay 10%. I think you should pay 20 They're like, hypocrisy. If past city leaders are likely to keep expanding and increasing the tax over time, they said, well, they should. They should. I want a 50% tax rate on Seattle citizens. I want a 50% tax rate on the rich people. You know what? Then there's the not so rich people, but you know, they make over 100,000. How many people make six figures? Those are rich uh, uh, capitalist bastards. You should at least tax them 25%. You know, people who have jobs, period. Well, they're pretty privileged, don't you think, Seattle? Don't you think you like hipster kids like who have rich parents at Mercer Island, but you like to go and protest and act for you know ask for more money and panhandle over at Pioneer Square? I think people who have jobs, period, should pay at least ten percent. That's tithing. That's biblical. Jesus was a socialist. The council is going to unanimously adopt an illegal income tax that has no hope of taking effect and will waste taxpayers' resources on litigation the city is sure to lose, said Jason Messier who directs the Center for Government Reform with the Washington Policy Center. At a rally Monday before the vote, Seattle Mayor Ed Murray said the city expects a legal challenge. We welcome that legal challenge. Who's Ed Murray? I don't have to look him up. He's so common. Him and this other guy, was in Tim Burgess. I, I don't have to look him up. They're, they're, they're limp-dicked, pathetic, emasculated, worthless men who have no real jobs, never worked a job in their life. We welcome that legal challenge. We welcome that fight. Yeah, what, what if the state comes down on you and says, no, you can't do this? <laughs> what are you going to do? If the city wins that battle, it won't just be Seattle that's doing a progressive income tax. He added, I, dude, Mayor Murray, I cannot wish you more success. I cannot wish you and the, uh, what's her name? Uh, the mayor of Minneapolis, Bicycle Betsy, Betsy Hodges. I cannot wish you major metro, Emmanuel, uh, Ron Emmanuel, Emmanuel Ron, whatever his name is. I can't wish you guys, you large liberal city people, I can't wish you guys enough success. I, I really do wish you get that tax increase. I really do. I can't think of anybody who deserves it better than your citizens. I cannot think of 
anybody better that deserves it. The city estimates the income tax will raise about $140 million in a year. That's it? Hang on. That doesn't sound right to me. You should raise a hell of a lot more than that. Um, $250,000. Times 0. 0.0225. Million. Sorry, million. Two, three. One, two, three. Divided by five, two, six, five. 26,000 people. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's about right. 26,000 people that make over a quarter million a year. Yeah, that's about right. Under the measure, revenue would be used to lower property taxes, pay for public services such as transit and housing. You mean like that billion-dollar debacle you guys have with that self-mining machine that's stuck underneath Seattle right now? Because it was cute? Replace any federal money that is lost and meet carbon reduction goals. Voters in the state have rejected personal income tax-related measures at the statewide ballot several times over the past eight decades. They did approve an income tax in 1932. But the state Supreme Court ruled the measure, the measure unconstitutional the following year. I, I don't know why you guys... And whoever said that this is a waste of resources is 100% correct, but you liberals don't care about resources because you're parasitic. And I do mean that. You are, by your nature, parasitic. You don't care about other people's resources. Mercier said there is decades of case law saying that a graduate income tax is unconstitutional because income is property, and under the Constitution... Property tax has to be taxed uniformly and no more than 1%. The city council proposal notes that the state has among the most regressive tax systems in the country. I'm sure you guys are just so regressive. Right, really? Is there a regressive tax rate? Like the less money you make, the more you pay as a percentage? Really? Are you saying like, oh, it's a 5% sales tax and that's regressive because poor people die at that reasons? Fourth grade mathematical illogical reasons because I'm a sociological professor. That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, another bit of news. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Once again, why well, you don't trust Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg, if you didn't know, brilliant uh, man in media. Set up Bloomberg.com, or Bloomberg, the uh, data terminal, which then became the news site, Bloomberg.com, the former mayor. So I, I appreciate his entrepreneurial spirit. But by gosh, if the leftist slant... Look, guys, for those of you in the journalism industry, meaning lies of propaganda, if you can't even hide your bias past the title or the subtitle, don't even try. Don't even try. Just... Just, I don't know, become Vice, become, just admit you're People Magazine or you're The Guardian. You're a propagandist piece of crap that no one should listen to. And if you want to do cute stories like People Magazine, become a, become a tabloid then, all right? But don't, don't act like you're like some uh, holier than thou, oh, we're here to do me the fourth branch of government. You guys are a bunch of hacks, just a bunch of lying leftist hacks. It's got to piss you guys off, all you like 70s baby boomers journalists. It's got to piss you off that the United States has still managed to sustain itself despite your best efforts. It's got to piss you guys the F off. That no matter all the lies, you've completely dominated media and Hollywood and music and entertainment. 
and and you've made progress. Don't get me wrong, but you gotta be pissed off as all hell that the rest of the real Americans don't swallow your BS. No, no better place to see that. Like when someone says, "Oh, you don't believe in you believe in global warming." I'm like, nah, it's BS. <laughs> Guys get all emotional about it. Like, nah, I see BS when I see it. I'll call it as I see it. It's BS. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm ignorant. Yeah, I, oh, I'm just a, a denier. All right. So Bloomberg, you tell me where you tell me where the BS starts. Right? I'm going to read the title and then the subtitle. You tell me when it starts. The decline of marriage is hitting Vegas hard. Subtitle. Working class troubles mean fewer weddings in the marriage capital. Did you see it? You see the lie? Working class. Because I don't know, Bloomberg, leftist journalist, I thought the economy was great. I thought, according to you guys, because Obama, the savior, has made everything great and wonderful, that there are no troubles anymore. And now there are troubles again. There are, is there working class troubles? Really? There's Because like, I thought there was the housing crisis. Obama took over and then heaven. So for the past eight years, we've been just been told how great the economy is. Ignore labor force participation rates. Ignore median wage income. Ignore all that. Ignore ignore it all. Uh, everything's great now. Trump. Oh, working class troubles. Who are these working class people? Where did this blue collar crisis come from? I'm going to continue reading. Oh, look, in the background there, I see where Matt Baldoni performs. All right. Kind of feels like home. I've been there enough times. Roland August has officiated at thousands of weddings in Las Vegas, the self-proclaimed capital of I Do. But these day, August, who often presides dressed as Elvis Presley, uh, has a rare vantage point from which to observe the nation's long shift towards I Don't. Nevada's marriage rate has plummeted in recent decades, an extreme version of pullback happening across the U.S. The forces that have reshaped the nation's economic life since the 1970s have helped make marriage an institution increasingly reserved for the well-educated and the more affluent. A spate of recent research suggests America's marriage gap is cementing disadvantage. You guys really, you leftists are going to go with the, oh, marriage is for privileged people? Is that it? Uh, the wedding chapels where August work, works have seen business dwindle, he says, and Vegas is pushing to reverse the decline in an industry that generates as much as $3 billion in economic activity annually. The 2015, in 2015, the surrounding county introduced a $14 surcharge on marriage licenses to pay for marketing, and local business leaders helped start a wedding, chap, a wedding chamber of commerce last year. Look, guys, just it just shows you the arrogance and the dictator mentality of leftists. The most private decision is who you're going to marry and if you're going to marry. And here these people are, they go, we got to get more people married. We got to get them to get married more. I need money. Fuck it, whether they're screwed, whether they're the right people or not. To get married, yeah, we got to get married. More people get married. I, and and who is it? Do you think it's right-leaning people? Do you think it's these conservative, these evil Juno Ward people who got more important crap to do than tell you to get married because they might lose? Oh, we need to put a fourteen-dollar license fee on it, otherwise the wedding chapel industry is going to go down the toilet. You want just talk about deaf, uh, deaf, blind, and dumb? 
you you guys doesn't it concern any of you why there's less marriage and understand what marriage is it's a purely male affair i'm not saying it's 99.99 but i'm saying it's 100% a male affair we determine whether or not we want to get married we determine whether we propose and I know it's politically incorrect, and I know that none of you have spines or balls, and you can't admit that men just don't want to get married anymore. It's way too risky a proposition. It's completely outdated. It's none of the government's damn business as to whether or not we get married with other people. But it still is a male affair. We ultimately hold that trump card whether or not we decide to propose to you or not. We determine that, and you guys can't admit that men just plain don't want to marry the freaking filth, the crap that is known as American women today. I'd like to say I'm being judgmental or messiah. There are there are some very good quality women. I know that I I have many female friends, and I I look and they're like, do you know anyone? I'm like, no, I don't know anyone that I'd set up with you. You're too high quality. I don't know any quality men. So there are some women. I, I know. I know there's some guys. I, I know you sweethearts. I know you're out there. I love you. You actually give me hope. I'm like, wow, look at all these great gals. But you are definitely in the minority. You're in the minority. And on a macro level, when the wedding chapel industry, they got a chart here. Hang on. Let's go down. Um, the marriage rate. This is only from 2000. From 2000 to 2015 in Vegas, the marriage rate has gone from 70 per thousand pe- residents down to 30. It's like a 60% decrease. And then they show other wedding destinations. But of course, Nevada is, you know, they got the wedding chapel and the you know, Elvis marriage thing going on. But notice how they just, oh, hey, it's blue collar strife. See? It's not that women are obese or you're fat or you pierce every freaking appendage you have or you tat yourself up like a billboard. No, it has it has nothing to do with you guys being indoctrinated or brainwashed with feminism and careerism and screw everybody else. I'm very most important forever. Me, 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 rah, 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 uh, uh, lawyer chick show. No, no, no. It's blue-collar struggles. That's what it is. It's bl- I thought the economy was booming. What is it, leftist Bloomberg journalist people? What is it? Uh, quote, life has prioritized things differently, August said. Scrolling down. Marriage has been a, become a clear dividing line in a stratified country. Its decline is most pronounced among those who didn't go beyond high school, as better educated people tend to marry each other. America's working and middle class are faring badly, and the research points to unraveling families as one cause. It has nothing to do with... Look, okay, I know the more you make and the higher education, the less divorce problems you have. That's baby boomer shit uh, stuff. That's baby boomer stuff. Right, and who gets married? See, they're looking at old data. They're like, oh, look at the baby. It says in these days, in these times, back in the 70s and 60s and 80s, that's what happened. There ain't no young dudes proposing. None. You're looking in the past when you got to look at the present. I'm not even asking you to look in the future. It is the young boys are like, ah, no. No, we're not going. No, we're not. We are absolutely not. 
and you can say, oh, it's middle class people, oh, it's, it's Trump, oh, it's the working poor, oh, no, you just got to, America has raised a generation of worthless bitches, that's what it boils down to, fat, physically unattractive, worthless, completely not marriage material, worthless bitches, that's what it boils down to. So bad, so much, that even in Vegas, drunk on a drinking bender, nobody wants to propose to these girls. No one has a whim. They're like, ah, hell with that. I saw my old man in the 80s. I saw my old man in the 90s. You know, even I'm getting too old for this stuff. My old man, when do they get divorced? 82. That's right, they got divorced in 82. And here you guys are saying, well, you say divorce back in the 80s was this way, and that means there's poor people, the evil, nasty, white people, Republicans, all just causing this divorce stuff now to happen. It's like, uh, no, let's go with the Occam's razor of women be fat, women be just belligerent, and women not be marriage material, and men not be proposing. Men are just not proposing. And that's the thing that these Bloomberg quote journalists, yeah, well, who, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Uh, Gianna Smoliak. Let's look at her. Look at her. Or not, maybe not look at her. Click on this. Let's What is her Twitter following? She's got less followers than me. Economy reporter Bloomberg News. Oh, my goodness. She lives in New York. Oh, my goodness. Tina. Tina. Once again, if you don't have more Twitter followers than me, and yet you work for a major news outlet like Bloomberg, you are a fucking failure. Uh, half of Americans older than 18 were married in 2014, down from 72% in 1960, according to the Pew Research Center. The shift is more pronounced for the less educated, which is a loose proxy for income. As of 2014, almost 70% of women with bachelor's degrees were married in their by their early 40s versus less than 60% of women with only high school diploma, according to the Brookings Institution. Likewise, childbearing outside of marriage cleaves by schooling. More than 70% of young mothers with only high school education had at least one child while single, according to John Hopkins University sociologist Andrew Sherlin. Well, I'm sure going to pay attention to him. That was true of only about 30% of college-educated women. So 70% of young mothers in high school education are stupid and dumb. Yeah, so stupid people breed. I'm not disagreeing with you on this one. August is Elvis married Amy Durham and her husband Brandon in a Bellagio Hotel penthouse against the backdrop of a June sunset. She took some persuading. Why does she have to take some persuading? Durham, a 39-year-old from Montesano, Washington, has a seven-year-old daughter with an 11... Wait, is this the guy or the girl? Amy Durham. Durham. 39-year-old from Montana Has a seven-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son from a prior marriage. Who would marry that? I'm surprised this marriage took, take, it took place. And she's seen a cut to her child support now that she's in a dual-income family. Well, it's really important, you know? <laughs> Oh, 
She works as a bank teller because she's a completely untalented, worthless whore. No, uh, she works as a bank teller and her husband is a welder, but money is tight. Well, you guys keep spitting out children. Quote, as a woman coming in with children, it was very risky for me. Yeah, you, yeah, it was really risky for you. Yeah, not the guy who kept his dick in his pants and didn't, like, screw other women and have illegitimate children like you. Yeah, it's, it's really risky for you, sweetheart. I had very little to gain other than making my partner happy. Yeah, with your banker income, your banker teller income. Sorry, not banker income, banker teller income. And, and then here's your husband actually works a real job. He's making probably 60 or 70. Honest to God. Economic changes disrupted the traditional sequence of mating and marrying helped by shifting mores. Women poured into the workforce in the late 1970s just as men grew increasingly unlikely to work. You're damn right. More recently, the Great Recession damaged prospects for the youngest love bro- I didn't think, is there a Great Recession now? Are we admitting there's a recession now? Are we admitting that? I don't know. Tell me, leftist media. You establish mainstream media, fake news people. Tell me, is the economy booming or is it still sucking under Obama? Which one is it? I don't know. The change has become entrenched, according to a paper this year by Melissa Kearney. Well... Is she a professor? Because by God, uh, miss, who wrote this thing? By gosh, Jaina Samaliak. I hope to God she's a professor because I just can't trust anybody unless they're a professor. Oh my gosh, she is one. A University of Maryland professor. Well, crappity dippity do. Well, we just got to believe that. The change has become entrenched. In U.S. regions where fracking sharply increased in recent years? What are you talking about? North Dakota? I, this is so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, ladies, you guys, you guys can't do math. Just, just go away. Your, your lack of logic is painful. This is just sad. You have a female professor and a female journalist, and they're gonna bl- they're gonna actually tie this to the fracking. They're gonna tie it to the goddamn fracking. In U.S. regions where frac- fracking sharply increased in recent years, wages for working class men shot up, as did births. Marriage did it. Well, why would we get married? Hey, <sighs> oh, I know, I know. You guys know that I know. Did it dawn on you girls that since you're just not marriage material and we saw enough divorce and you you have so, you women have made it very clear you want to worship at the altar of the government check dick. That is what you care about the most. You vote Democrat all the time. You vote for more stuff. You completely obsolete male purpose and reason to be in society. And you're surprised men don't get married? After all this feminist P.S. in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s, and uh, you saw the old man get, you're surprised that these men are just going to stick their dick inside of you? You spit, oh, hey, but then the government will take care of it? This is shocking to you? This this entitles an article? But hey, you know what? It's blue-collar wage slave stuff. That's what's causing this. Men who marry, drink less, work more, report greater happiness. Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't see a link to that, sweetheart. Marriage allows couples to combine income, share costs, and take advantages of tax breaks. Oh, that's true. Finally, children from stable two-parent families do better in school 
and the job market. So today's divide promises to entrench advantage or disadvantage. What are you arguing for, sweetheart? Gian, Jeannie, what are you arguing for? Are, did you just say the nuclear family results in better children? Oh, but that's privilege, so we should eschew it? What is it? You must be a very confused young little 20-something journalist with less Twitter followers than me. Finally, children from stable two family, two-parent families do better in school and the job market, so today's divide promises to entrench advantage or disadvantage. What do you mean? What in, what's this entrench? What promises to entrench advantage or disadvantage? You're a very, you're a very high IQ person, but you're using your intelligence for evil, aren't you? With this like two-tone devil tongue crap here. Entrench advantage or disadvantage? How about they just did the right thing? How about nuclear families rule? How about they need a mom and a dad? Oh, by the way, to everybody out there in the same house. <laughs> you you champion the, the benefits of a nuclear family. But I don't know what is it. You left this indoctrinated brainwashing you got in journalism school, Columbia or whatever worthless piece of crap journalism school quote you went to. That you have to, oh, there's, here's the spin. It's privilege. It's advantage. Recent research on middle-class despair showed that mortality is rising in middle age for less educated white Americans and authors. Anne Case and Agnes Deaton have been pointing to the move away from marriage as one possible factor. Well, let's just reach and grasp for straws. Quote, both men and women lose the security of a stable marriages that were the standard among their parents. What? Who? What? Who are these people? The last people who have sta- standard, stable marriages were the were the uh, World War Two generation. Who men and women lose security of the stable marriages that were the standard among their parents? Are we talking about baby boomers who are in their seventies now? Because I don't know about you, sweetheart. I maybe you did grow up in a nuclear family. Maybe you were privileged. Ah, uh, but most of the people I know, ah, uh, their parents ain't married. I don't know if you know it's the slaughter that's been going on the past 40 years, but marriage, God almighty, when we actually tally it up, it's hard to figure it out because there's a marriage rate, divorce rate, do you get remarried, all that other stuff. But damn if like 60% of marriages don't fail. And here you are acting like it's 1940. Well, they didn't have the standard. This is, this is, what is your name again? Jania Smaliak. Yeah, you are a, you are, I know it's the Cursory Podcast, but we're going to curse. You are a shitty journalist. And you're intellectually dishonest. You're a liar. Uh, Still, all not all the news is bad. Oh, please tell us, Jeannie. Fewer marriages make for fewer divorces. <laughs> fewer shots taken results in less failure. Okay, I guess so. I guess so. For one thing, and non-marital births are declining after a peak before the recession. Thank God for abortion. I do agree with that. The U.S. marriage rate remains higher than any, uh, remains higher than that of many developed nations, including France, Spain, and Italy. Yeah, you see, you took the three crappy Mediterranean ones where it's like philandering is like part of the culture, where you're allowed to have a paramour. Great, great journalistic integrity there, kid. Yet the American drop-off has come with especially tough economic effects. I thought the economy was great under the Messiah. 
I thought Obama made everything better. Did Trump make it all really bad? Because your data comes from 2015, and that's when uh, Obama was still president. Perhaps because of the more limited social safety net. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right, because we don't spend enough on welfare. The silver state has felt America's changing trends ac- acutely because it holds more winning than any other and has historically taken a permissive stance on divorce and marriage. That, coupled with Las Vegas' emergence as a destination for drinking, gambling, and risque fun, creating an industry bolstered by spur-of-the-moment life decisions. Weddings draw in about 4% of annual visitors to the city, and they're integral to the municipal identity. The efforts to preserve the franchise seems to be paying off. The number of wedding licenses issued has stabilized in recent years, partly reflecting the rise of gay unions, which became legal in Nevada in 2014. Well, hey, there you go. All right, go do it. I, I, can't, I can't fault the gays. Absolutely, go have some fun, guys. We had never organized and we had never promoted ourselves, said Chris Labuda, president of the Wedding Chamber of Commerce. We've been working to get publicity to change the narrative about what a Las Vegas wedding is. Look, again, you're putting yourselves ahead of whether people should get married or not. How arrogant are you? Look, I know you got to make money. I know you're the Wedding Chamber of Commerce, but like, can't you just let people get married if they want to get married? Is that your decision? What you think? You think like putting a little bit of extra ad, putting a flyer in the newspaper on the airplane? But oh, well, I wasn't going to get married now, but now I am. See this really cla- crafty and clever uh, flyer? Now I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, the standbys live on. A little white wedding chapel, where in 2004 Britney Spears began her 55-hour marriage, continues to advertise romantic and affordable options. The packages have names like Lover Sweet and Simple, Biker Special, and Tunnel of Love Extravaganza. I've driven past this. I've seen this one. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. Oscar Goodman, who was Las Vegas mayor from 1999 to 2011. That's a, that's a run. Can even see a silver lining in an era of fewer marriages. More people, more single people may be willing to spend money on entertainment at casinos and other attractions, he said. People come here to have their wedding People come here to avoid a wedding, Goodman said. Nobody should cry for Las Vegas. There's the real man. Then he got the oh, you know, so you instead of quoting the one person you quote that actually spoke wisdom and not filth was the man. You you quoted a bunch of female doctorates and professors and all that. And uh you you it was it was a very good attempt. It was a very good attempt to J- Jaina, Jaina, Jana, Smialik. It's a very good attempt to kind of blame it on economic circumstances, but let me tell you what it boils down to. You women are worthless. You American women are not worth dating. You're not certainly not worth marrying. There's no reason, there's no incentive. Guys just aren't going to commit to you. How about you try that? How about you, you, you're close, you had some clues, with the divorce rate and feminism and women doing, you know, like, I'm going to go be, I'm going to be an independent, powerful woman. I don't need no man. You were close. And for your own sake, because you look like a younger lady, Miss Jania Smalik, you might want to start thinking critically, critical thinking. Men don't want to propose because you women are fat. You're belligerent, you're not marriage material, 
you are more obsessed with yourself and, and anything else. You're incapable of love and selflessness and putting other people ahead of yourselves. You're all married to your careers. You don't want to raise your own goddamn children. You want to outsource them to daycare. You are worthless. You offer nothing of value to a man. Why would anybody propose to an American woman? Why? Duly noted the very rare exceptions of the girls that I know who are wonderful. Wonderful. Don't get me wrong. And I know people that have gone off and gotten married. There are wonderful wives. But they are so in the minority. And since we're talking about a 70% marriage rate down to a 30% marriage rate in Nevada, and you're trying to say it's economics and there's things and reasons and it's education. No. How about something a little bit more simpler and straight to the heart? You American women aren't worth marrying. You're fat. You're disgusting. You're boring. You're not intelligent. You're entitled. Who the fuck would marry you? I wonder if we looked her up. Jenny Smaliak. Oh, she's just so cute. She's just so cute. She's gotten by on her looks. Let's see. She is very cute. I won't I won't deny that. I know she's got a worthless degree. I just want to know if she came from I know, I know, I know. Just bear with me. I just want to know, like, you know, was she an engineer and then became a you know, a, a real person. Uh, no. Let's go LinkedIn. Smeliak. Smalik. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She looks like she's 13. Bloomberg News. Intern. Ooh, intern. She covers the Federal Reserve in the U.S. economy from 2013. She was a business coverage intern at Raleigh News and Observer, health and education intern. When did you start working? So you actually worked for four years. When did you graduate? University desk assistant editor. Oh, well, hey. Uh, majored in journalism and global studies major with a minor in Chinese. So she has graduated in 2012. And in 2013, so she's had kind of a real job, sort of. Do you even make enough money to live off? Do they, do they pay you enough? She's just so intelligent. She has a degree in journalism. Journalism! She's just so smart. Look at all these hot young 20-somethings these people are hiring. I wonder if that's it. Maybe old belligerent evil guys like me, but they're over in the East Coast publishing world. They, like, hire all these hot young somethings. Yeah, look at all these. There's no ugly people. Selena Wang, Amanda Albright, Laura Keller, Sarah Fryer, Jenny Serene, all bangles, Stephanie Rosenblum. You guys were not hired for your intelligence. I'm going to tell you guys that right now. You, are, you were not hired for your intelligence. Well, definitely the Stephanie Rosenblum. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> Oh, just keep lying. Yeah, I know, I know. You guys are the fourth branch of government. You guys are the fourth branch. You guys are gonna go in. You're gonna, you're gonna tell everybody it's it's blue collar work and and some with the economy and things and reasons. It has nothing to do with the obesity rate of women. None of that. All right, uh, we got some some uh, sponsors here. All right, next round of sponsors here. Uh, <clears throat> holy cow! How many sponsors do I? Uh, the Asshole Consulting Life Improvement Plan. We, of course, have regular Asshole Consulting. If you just have a, 
a one topic or one issue need the old captain, America's older brother, to address and consult you on, feel free to contact me at assholeconsulting.com. But if you happen to be a loser, we have the life improvement plan. You can read more about it by going online. But the short version is you give me $10,000, and for every major life improvement you make, like getting a job, moving out of your parents' place, Getting your driver's license, I give you $1,000 back for a total refund of $5,000. So, in theory, you would save, you would t- turn your life around for $5,000, which is cheaper than any other deal you're going to get with therapists and guidance counselors and lovey-dovey, touchy-feely. But the only thing that's cheaper where you could actually make money off of it and having someone kick your ass into like getting, getting your life together would be the military. But you guys aren't going to do that. But anyway, if you are a true, genuine loser, of which there are some in my audience, and you're sick and tired of being you, uh, pay me to be me. Well, okay, I can't guarantee you're going to turn out to be like me, but you're going to stop being you. And if you don't, then I get to keep all $10,000. It is that simple. It's a life improvement plan. Check it out at assholeconsulting.com. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, it's $100 a month. we got about 3,000 listeners weekly. And all the other different social media platforms I'll plug you on. Chad Elkins at ElkinsCPA.com. Why do I have the odd feeling I've been already plugging these guys? Would I already do this segment? I'm wondering. Anyway, so ElkinsCPA.com, a resident accountant for the Manosphere. We have the League of Extraordinary Podcasters, 405media.com, Obsidian Radio, Financial Survival Network, Conto Talk, O'Shea Jackson, BlowMeUpTom.com. Cynical Libertarian Society and Mitch Berger, 1280 AM, The Patriot, the, the Uncle Mitch that has not committed suicide. AcademicComposition.com, they do resumes, they do your homework, and he's always looking to hire people to write other people's homework and do some marketing. You contact Alex at AcademicComposition.com. JimFear138.blogspot.com, I was informed Jim Fear is not a 20-year-old kid. He is a 28-year-old kid. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you keep telling people that I'm actually 28. I'm like, oh, well, you're kind of an adult then. You're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, it's still good to see somebody with hustle like Jim. Uh, if you're looking for voice work and audio recording, go to jimfear138.blogspot.com. Tell them the cap that sent you. I'm on the different uh, <clears throat> interwebs and the gabs and the minds.com and Twitter and Facebook. Follow, like, and subscribe and all that other stuff. Make the algorithms work for me. We have my two classes, the analysis, evaluation of stocks and stocks, bonds, investing, oh my. You could search those titles to find out what they're all about. They're available in hundreds of different places online. So you can take them wherever, whatever time for your convenience. Betterment, we got my Betterment affiliate program. Just go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Betterment banner. It's kind of a bluish, light, white, green, lime type of banner. I think it's on the right side. Don't quote me on that. But uh, if you're looking to invest for a 401k, go through Betterment. Helps out the captain. And we have my two best of books, Captain Capitalism Top Shelf and Captain Capitalism Reserved. I think I'll probably be putting together a third one here relatively soon. And that's it. All right, final news from uh, the Economic Collapse, the economiccollapseblog.com. Cashless Society Alert Visa will be giving up to $500,000 to restaurants that go 100% cashless. The push towards a cashless society is becoming more of a shove. Before today, I had never heard of the Visa Cashless Challenge, but after reading about it, I have to say that I am quite alarmed. Visa is trying to encourage businesses to go cashless, and one of the ways that they will be doing this is by awarding up to 500000 to 50 eligible U.S.-based small business food service owners who commit to joining the 100% cashless quest. 
And what's sad is mo- most that that's going to entice a lot of small business owners because as I've mentioned before, most small business owners are dumber than fuck, and they uh, they they're not profitable. They're just not. Uh, they uh, so they're going to jump at this. There's going to be no limit to the number of people applying for it. And basically, what most of these small businesses are going to do with that award is they're going to take it, they're going to pay off all their debts, and they're going to quit and close up shop forever. That's all small businesses work. They have a dream. I have a dream. I want to open a coffee store where they'll serve scones and biscotti. It's a dream. I always want to have a dream. And none of them know how to do any accounting. And so these dreams quickly turn to nightmares, and nine out of ten times they don't have any accounting process in place, so they don't know they're losing money. They just keep running out of money, and then they got to borrow from family and friends, and then their 401ks, and and they just keep doing this because it's my dream. When is he going to make the money? And little do most small business owners realize if it's a dream – there's already millions of people doing it, and you're unlikely to get the prices to make a profit because the market is so flooded. That was my experience as being an economist and a credit analyst in small business banking. Small business owners are dumber than, than F. They're dumber than, I know, I know, they're the backbone. Small employers employ more. Yeah, that's because they keep going in and out of business. You idiots making your run for your dreams and you don't, you're don't you so lazy, you don't bother to learn accounting or do any kind of industry analysis. You never pull in up, up the uh, RMA data. You do nothing. I want to start a bar. I want to start a restaurant. I want to start a, a, a balloon farting inflating company. I fart into balloons and I give it to kids and it makes farting noises when they let it go and it smells like a fart. Oh my gosh, give me $5 million. All right, continuing the food industry is still one of the last bastions where cash is used very heavily, and so it makes sense that Visa would want to target that segment. Of course, the more people that use cards to pay for meals, the more money that Visa will make. When I go to restaurants, I almost always use cash, and I know a lot of other people that very much prefer to use cash in those situations as well. But if Visa has their way, soon all of us will be forced to use some form of digital payment instead. The following is an excerpt from the press release that Visa issued about this new challenge. Today, Visa announced it's launching a major effort to encourage businesses to go cashless, aiming to create a culture where cash is no longer king. The program will give merchants increased ability to accept all forms of global digital payments. Visa will be encouraging and helping merchants go cashless by using innovation to their advantage in order to stay competitively connected to their customers. To encourage businesses to go cashless, Visa is announcing the Visa Cash Cashless Challenge with a call to action for small business restaurants, cafes, or food truck owners to describe what cashless means for them. Oh, my God. You're a 40 or 50-year-old, and you're writing book reports or a scholarship application. What cashless means to me by Gladys McOldfart person, age 58. My catnut shaving business, is. it takes a lot of hair. And it's one last thing that I like to do than have to make change with cat with uh, cash with all the cat dander laying around. That's why I want to go cashless. Really? Really? Visa will be awarding up to 500,000 to 50 eligible U.S.-based small business food service owners who commit to joining the 100% cashless quest. 
Quote, at Visa, we believe you can be everywhere you want to be and that it should be easy to pay and be paid in more ways than ever. Whether it's a phone, card, wearable, or other device, that Jack Forrestell, head of Global Merchant Solutions, Visa Incorporated, with 70% of the world, or more than 5 billion people, connected via mobile device by 2020, we're having an incredible opportunity to educate merchants and consumers alike on the effectiveness of growing cashless. And then he goes back to his article. Visa would love to eliminate the use of cash entirely because it would mean much bigger profits for them, of course. And of course, cashless systems hold a lot of appeal for governments as well because such systems would allow them to monitor and track the behavior of their citizens much more closely. As our modern society transitions in that direction, we'll be told that it's all about fighting money laundering, tax evasion, and terrorism, but there are other ways to combat those issues. In the end, many people like to use cash because of the privacy that it offers, and there are very powerful forces that would like you to eliminate that privacy. For now, however, advocates of a cashless society are pushing the economic benefits of such a system. Here is more from Visa's press release. Visa has recognized the net benefits of, for merchants when they reduce dependency on cash transactions. Visa recently conducted a study that found that if businesses in 100 cities transition from cash to... Oh, I'm sure this is an unbiased study. Transition from cash to digital, their cities stand to experience net benefits of $312 billion per year. What kind of... Out of your ass statistic was that. How? What is that? What? I'll see how you came up with that one, guys. According to the study, in New York City alone, businesses could addition, uh, generate an additional $6.8 billion in revenue and save more than 186 million hours in labor by making greater use of digital payments. This amounts to more than $5 billion annual cost savings for businesses in New York. Well, what? Don't you mean $5 billion more profits for, for Visa? That's really what it boils down to. The complete results with the benefits of going cashless for business will be included in the Cashless Cities, Realizing the Benefits of Digital Payments Report. They'll be released by Visa later this year. Why, why, would I, why would I read that? Why would anybody read that? You might as well read a, a, a report coming out from the Democrat Party while giving us more money and increasing taxes is great for the world. Uh, going back to the article, and of course, the push towards a cashless system is not just happening in the United States. Over in Sweden, many banks will no longer take or give out cash. About 95% of all retail transactions in the entire country are now cashless. Of course, the EU as a whole is rapidly moving in the direction of phasing out cash. Not long ago, the European Commission released an action plan which instructed member states to explore the possibility of potential upper limits of cash payments. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I understand the concerns and fears and worries about cashless societies. <clears throat> I think there should always be cash. I think it keeps the government honest. I like there to be cash. I like it that if you want to, your transactions can be discreet. That being said, I'm not that worried about using Visa or digital payments or credit cards. And honestly, I wish most people would, would switch to that because it's just so much faster, guys. It's so much faster. I, look, the government doesn't care if you buy wings at the grocery store. It doesn't care that you went to the bar and you got some drinks. Now, if you're paying for a prostitute, well, maybe you might want to not use her PayPal account. Okay, I can understand you there. But just for probably 90% of your daily transactions, gas, groceries, food, booze, entertainment, just swipe it. I'm more than happy to pay the two and three quarters percent that I pay to PayPal because I don't have to deal with it. Now, I know Visa, they have a financial interest, but for once, Visa is right. 
It is right. If you take away the conspiratorial risk of potential that, oh my gosh, without a, if it goes cashless, like, yeah, if, if we found out Visa and the government were in cahoots to eliminate cash, I'd, I'd be like, okay, hang on now. But there's nothing wrong with a, a, a company saying, no, we're not doing cash. I had a, a buddy of mine, he used to run a restaurant. And he wasn't too bright. He was, again, one of these idiots. I'm going to buy a restaurant. And I think it sapped him of 10 years of his life and made him miserable. Just made him miserable. And it was funny because he ended up being a douche later on. So not, not really enemies. I don't give him that much credit or consideration. But it was nice to see his life ruined for 10 years. And just, it, it, again, quintessential. You know, no accounting controls, no accounting system. I even tried, hey, have you thought of, I don't know what I'm doing. All right, fine. You don't even know how to use Excel. <laughs> no accounting whatsoever. And you would just see, he would have to deal with, uh, one of the biggest problems he dealt with was the clerks, the checkout staff. And, and and that's a high turnover thing anyway. You're not going to get reliable people. You know, high school kids got to go back to school or whatever. You're not, you're not, this is not a career. And so I'm thinking like, why don't you just insist, hey, we only take credit card here. And, and you get a little swipey thing, you know, they got those squares you can plug in. They got all the devices. You swipe it through, sign it. You don't even need signatures. Boom, here you go. Because a lot of the business model was up based on the Runch and dinner rushes. So now it's volume. Let's go. Chumma chumma. No. He, we had, oh, we got to pay with cash. Cash, cash, cash. And now you're pissing away 30 seconds of time. Every transaction that's cash with, oh, here's a 20. And then the person's got to make the change. And then you got to count the money. Then there's the till. I, I'll never deal with cash. Never. You can, you can go ahead and say, hey, I'll, I'll pay. No, I don't. I don't want an extra twenty percent. I don't want to count the cash. I don't want to carry the cash. I don't want to deposit the cash. That that almost three percent that I pay PayPal, you know, with asshole consulting, that prevents me uh, trips and time hours I don't have accounting. I don't have to deal with. Mail me cash. Are you nuts? Hit, swipe your credit card. Enter the PayPal. Whatever it is. The money directly deposits into the bank account. Boom, I'm done. And we're talking, what does Visa take? Hang on, let's look this up. What does Visa take? For that convenience, what does Visa take? Visa's percentage. Uh, Visa's, no. Percentage to retailers. I'm getting immigrant Visa's. Um, what is it? Is it 1.5 here? Is Visa at 1.15? Uh, Visa and MasterCard agree to hold interchange fees at 1.5%. Is this Canada? What's being sold next five years? Okay, so that's even cheaper. That's even cheaper than, uh, than PayPal. I don't care. PayPal is so easy. I'll pay them the extra percent in the, in three quarters. Just so I don't have to deal with it. I, I, I'm, I'm no. You guys have got the words. You go. Oh my gosh, the government's going to come, and, and don't worry, they'll come for you. But my God, it, it would be as the efficient, eternally efficient bachelor looking to check out in the checkout lines, driving stuck behind slow people, looking at Grandma Tilly paying with her check at the grocery store. Man, I love the bachelor lanes. I love me those bachelor lanes. 
It saves me so much of my free time and my finance. Swipe done. Swipe gone. Swipe boom. I don't even think I've paid for gas at a gas station anymore going inside. It just, it makes life go so much. Lines are shrunken down. Do you guys like waiting in lines? Apparently you do. I'm not saying get rid of cash. I'm just saying that the, 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 uh, if, if Visa wants to go and get businesses to do cash only, I'm not necessarily against it. Oh, don't worry, there'll be plenty of places to still take cash. And I still think there's a little bit of hope for me that, uh, that America is still a little bit America. We're not Europe. Europe, I could totally see going cash. I could see the Swedes. I could see the Germans. I could see all those other little pussies over there. These conformists, these these non-thinkers, these these they're, they're they're sheep. They're real sheep out there. I mean, we got sheeple here in America. Man, those Europeans are just sheep. I could see them. The European, you know, they need to do get rid of cash. Cash is a scourge. I could see that forcing them on the people. But like Japan said, uh, Bitcoin is a is a currency if you want it. United States hasn't come out against it, and certainly with Trump and all, I don't think he's going to get rid of cash. So at least for the next three and a half years, uh, seven and a half, he gets elected again and stays. You know, don't and, and for most of my listening audience, look, we only need cash for another 40 years. Then we're all dead. <laughs> some of you 20, some of you 10, some of you 5, some of you sadly maybe even tomorrow. This cash issue is not something to get worked up about. It's, it's, it's like the electricity. I think the electricity will stay on until we're dead. So, you know, don't. this is not something to worry about. You want to worry about something, worry about, I don't know, the national debt. There's a ton of other, but you don't even control it, so why worry about it in the first place? All right, anyway, that's the Clary Podcast. I got to get going. Um, I promised I'd go for a motorcycle ride in this sweltering degrees. And, oh, there's FAML. You know what? We'll do FAML next time. Um, that's it. All right. We'll see you guys later. Toodles.